You are now tuned in to Westworld FM, a podcast about HBO's Westworld. My name is Alex. And my name is Nick. Today we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 6 of the show, titled Decoherence. We will not be discussing the next time on preview at the end of the episode, but we will be spoiling everything through Season 3, Episode 6 of the series. So please pause and go catch up if you're not current on the show. You can find more episodes of our podcast on westworld.fm. We're also Westworld FM on Twitter, and you can send feedback to westworldfm at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show and share your thoughts on HBO's Westworld. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. If you enjoy this show or any other show on the Midwest Podcast Network, please consider heading over to patreon.com slash midwestpodnet and pledge as little as a dollar a month to make our network even better. Special thanks to Jason K and Gojo, who have pledged at the level of $10 per month. Please go to MidwestPodcastNetwork.com, check out all our other shows. Midwest Game Nerds Podcast will be recording this weekend about the Final Fantasy VII Remake, and the Horror Movie Yearbook Boys are releasing an episode on Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> and so, please enjoy our offerings. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'd love to have you listen to any of our shows. Nick, how are you? Doing Okay. How about you? Yeah, same. I feel like it's nothing changes. There's just a new episode of Westworld to talk about each week. <laughs> yeah, Not necessarily it, true, but it's, it's what it feels like. It, it is. It's funny. I've never in my in my life been the type of person whose week is measured in like what tv show is on what day of the week you know like i've known a lot of people and it's not it's not uncommon i don't think especially in america to like say oh my monday nights are this my tuesday nights are this my wednesday nights are never been that way mostly because i've never really you know i just watch a lot of dvds and now streaming and that kind of thing but now it definitely like i i feel sundays and mondays and tuesdays more than i used to because that they're kind of based around this show which is funny yeah it's never necessarily been the case in the past well, not bad to have a little bit of routine from something. Nowadays, oh, these so. yeah, these days, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. gonna be weird when the stay-at-home outlives Westworld, probably, which is <laughs> yeah. seeming what is most likely gonna happen. Probably at this point, but uh, we shall see. Yeah, it's so. wild. This will be the first, definitely the first show we've recorded remotely in its entirety the entire season season, yeah Yeah, it might be the only one on the network that's been that way it's just really strange yeah yeah it is weird but i mean you know i personally i don't think that the uh you know i miss having you here and being able to react in real time rather than with a little bit of delay that we have over over google hangouts but yeah, for sure. Overall. Actually, it's funny because earlier this evening, I was think I was in the kitchen at my house, and I was uh, thinking of like, oh, okay, I need to, I need to get ready to record in a little bit. And I almost went to the, I like started walking towards the side door to where like my coat and shoes and stuff are. Like I would need mm-hmm. to get ready to leave, and I was thinking about like, okay, if I leave at seven forty, <laughs> and then I was like, wait, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't have to do that. <laughs> Which is weird because this this is week for forty minutes. Yeah, this is week <laughs> six of this, and that's the first time that's happened. But yeah, I think psychologically, the the fact that this is the sixth week of this is really starting to get to me. Like I'm I'm actively feeling it both during the day and in my dreams and stuff at night. Like I think it has finally like really chipped through and 
is starting to really finally bother me. So I think that yeah. maybe that was like an unconscious thing too. My body was like, you just, you just gotta go, just get in the car and drive over there, man. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, I, I can't, I can't disagree with that. It certainly feels like, I, I wonder if we, if I will go back and listen to this like next year or something and you can just hear the slow descent into like melancholy <laughs> as Mad- we record each episode. Madness. <laughs> Yeah, it also doesn't help that my enthusiasm for the show is really waning. <laughs> yeah. Small yeah. spoiler yeah. for how I feel about this episode. but Or small, I guess it's not really a spoiler, whatever, you know what I'm saying. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, but it's it's really cool that we get to do this and that we are able to record remotely like this still. I, I mean, I do still look forward to it. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, we can get right into it. And uh, talk about this wonderful episode of television. <laughs> we only, yeah. What show are we talking about? <laughs> How many more episodes? This this was six of eight. This right? was so six two more. of eight. Oh, yes, man, there are two more episodes left. I am very excited to see how what's going to happen. That's for sure. I'm excited to see how this is all going to come together. Yeah, yeah. Um. I, I, so I'm going to ask you this question, but I want you to answer it later. And I want to know if you feel as though the experience of this episode has also somewhat atrophied your memories of last week's episode. <laughs> hmm. But you can you can think on that. We can talk about it after we after we discuss a little bit more. To and just to be honest, I don't remember what happened in last week's episode just i mean (laughs) because the last five episodes to me feel like one giant episode because just of what we've been doing you'll you'll just have to talk me through the key beats again and then i'm assuming you have the notes still i yeah i can i'll we'll i'll come back around to it but I'm, i'm kind of wondering i know that some people felt last week was a little bit of a dip and i wonder if things were happy and good with this episode whether or not people would have been like okay whatever or if it's just been this consistent drop. Oh, I see. Seven. If people think this is just like a downward trend rather than like a, a misstep of an episode. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, we can come back around to that. But anyway, I, I will say I did not get through this episode and be like, I hated this. Okay. But I didn't get out of this episode and be like, oh, man, this was great. So that what it is we can get into our recap and and talk about individual bits and pieces of what we didn't like okay all right we start off with Maeve coming to in a recreation of the valley beyond with memories of her daughter she realizes that it's not real and serac steps in to try and motivate her Maeve informs serac that she doesn't need motivation but rather friends or other hosts serac says he can get it but if she fails again, he will make sure that the next simulation is not so pleasant. Uh, and then Maeve picks a fight with all of the Nazis, Nazis in War, war World. Um, not a whole lot to talk about here necessarily. It makes a whole lot of sense. Maeve's back in the simulation, but it felt like a little like Maeve being back in the simulation to me is what felt like a little bit of Arrested Development. Yeah, it. <laughs> This, like, this, I don't know why we didn't just start this episode with Maeve back into another body. Yeah, Other I than, know. like, 
the the I, I thought up until this episode I had a pretty firm grasp of how long it took to print a host body. I couldn't tell you specific I couldn't tell you exactly like, oh, it takes one hour or oh it takes six hours, but this episode feels like it takes thirty six hours to print a host body and <laughs> that seems excessive. Like it just for for some of the major plot beats of this episode to hinge on that, I didn't really like. I was like, these guys have to have this down to a faster Yeah, especially uh, back process. at like the home base. Right. Like you would think. In in the R and D rapid prototyping section or whatever. Well, yeah, you know. plus the I mean the whole timeline in this episode is weird. I it a lot of it doesn't make a lot of sense, which may ultimately be part of some grand reveal of this was actually happening, this was simulation or whatever. So that obviously remains to be seen. But I feel like I was I was more forgiving of that idea before because it, it felt a little more interesting. This just felt kind of flat to me from the very be- like the beginning, okay. I'm I'm definitely over Maeve and her daughter. Like that mm. I was only willing I think I've talked in the past to me that that has always been kind of nonsensical to me because Maeve is too intelligent to to for this story to make sense to me. Like I feel like she would recognize that that relationship was fabricated and that the best thing she can do for her daughter if she wants to protect her is to send her into the valley beyond. Yeah. Great. We did and that. Not recover the key for Dolores. We from did Dolores, that last probably. season. Like I, I would yeah. have expect her as a host, as one of, if not the most intelligent hosts to be like, to, to be able to rectify that in her brain and say that relationship wasn't real in the way that I wanted it to be, but I was able to close that chapter of my life and now move on. And if she is going to war with Dolores, it's going to be for bigger ideas and less, uh, selfish ideas than that. This feels like a big regression in the Maeve story to me. And it just makes me kind of disappointed in Maeve because she started off this season just like this super badass and then she lost a fight to Dolores Musashi. Alright, no big deal. That happens. Like, you're gonna lose a fight. But I was kind of my confidence and faith in her was kind of shaken because we're so used to her being kind of in control. Even when she's not in control she's kind of like good with it. And now this character just feels like it's in a tailspin and I don't, yeah. I'm just not as on board with her as I once was, which is a bummer to me. Cause she, I would have said at some point she probably was my favorite character and it's I just, agree. it's kind of a shame to see her be reduced to this. Yeah. Especially with some of what happens later on, but we can, we can get to that. When we well, and then it. the Nazi thing was, was stupid too, because I was like, I, this episode had a lot of matrix going for it. <laughs> and yeah. this whole sequence, I was like, does she need to do this? Like, does she need to practice yeah. fighting? I don't think so. She, is she blowing off. Like I, I took it as she was blowing off steam less than like her actually practicing because she got beat last time. But maybe, I don't know. Like it didn't, they didn't really give us any of that. We didn't see her getting uploaded with Kung Fu or anything like that. You know, like it, it didn't, it didn't have that feeling of like training to me. It just kind of was that sh- this is what she's doing to literally kill time. Basically. But- okay. I thought I took it as like her training for combat because I feel like if she was just trying to kill time, there would have been dozens of more productive ways for her to do it in order to prepare for this fight with Dolores rather than just beat up a bunch of goons. 
beat up a bunch of army soldiers that probably aren't that great at hand-to-hand combat anyway and you know it honestly really came across to me as like scene is being written here's the dialogue here's all the setup and then just like Maeve fights soldiers next scene like i i've well that's I've, how i wrote it, and it I, I didn't even put the i didn't even put the Maeve fight soldiers at the end of my thing i had to like ad lib it on because i was like oh i kind of forgot about that yeah you but, just put like action sequence like i've seen some uh excerpts screenshots from michael bay's scripts and that's literally like kind of what it says like there's not detailed description necessarily. There's a paragraph. Uh, there's a detailed description of the butt shot of Megan Fox, but then there's like a one liner of the action. Yeah, it's like or, some explosions and Optimus transforms. Basically, yeah. Or I, I think I've even seen the opposite in some of his stories, where it's like characters exchange words, but then there's like a really long, drawn out <laughs> description of the action sequences. <laughs> I mean, a lot of scripts do this you know one way or the other depending on who's in control of it but just for this show i don't know i, I was just like i don't uh this this feels unmotivated and it serves no purpose like the one the the two or three we've already seen with all these soldiers were really cool and they actually felt like they served a function to show us mave's powers on display and all that kind of stuff and this one i was just like you needed an action sequence to make people go uh, cool yeah 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 anyway I was yeah. disappointed at the onset of this episode. As soon as I saw Maeve in the field, I was like, oh. <laughs> Is this like, footage oh. from season one? <laughs> I was like, oh, there's black bars. And then I was like, oh, it's just Maeve in the Valley Beyond. Yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like runtime right. now is more precious than ever. And mm-hmm. to be wasting it, in, at least as it appears now, that's the thing. Every single comment I'm going to have in in this episode of our show is subject to be completely this? erased by what happens <laughs> in the next two episodes. But yeah, I've always enjoyed Westworld as a week to week show. I've thought it really, really has been engaging and really thrives in that environment of not being binged. And mm-hmm. this is the first episode I can recall in a long time where I felt like man, I wish I already had the next one so I could erase the memory of this one with what's to what's to come, which is really unusual for this show. Yeah. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, all right, well, we'll move on. William receives both group and individual therapy. He's unsurprisingly not mixing in well and doesn't believe he needs to be there. The doctor leading his therapy suggests AR therapy for him, a technique they use for veterans suffering from PTSD. As William admits in front of the doctor that he killed Emily and thinks he should be dead instead of at therapy, the doctor doesn't notice because she's too busy catching up on her ever-buzzing phone, reading her insight profile saying she'll lose her medical license in one to two years and end up divorced and without her children in two and a half years. She storms out of the room, leaving William there alone. William is given a drip and a blood sample is taken from him when the blood is analyzed on it. Uh, when the blood is analyzed, an unknown compound is found and the computer executes a tracer program. William gets marched out of the room past the doctor's office and sees her seemingly committing suicide. So William's back. Uh, episode three or four was not the end of William's storyline. Hmm. <laughs> well, is- yeah, I guess not. <laughs> it's not what they were finished with showing us for William. Yeah. Um Yeah, I mean it 
it, it just kind of this scene to me felt like especially him in the group therapy just kind of felt like we want to write some good stuff for ed harris to say we want yeah yeah we want to take an angry yeah we, we we just want ed harris to deliver to drop some some cynical knowledge on on the world and <laughs> let everybody know that they're just a bacteria on on this beautiful mud ball hurtling that, in space. that was a good a good little monologue there I did enjoy the monologue quite a bit, but honestly, like, I don't know, like the rest of, it's weird to me that they introduced this doctor character only to like kill her off immediately. And I have a feeling like, I think she might've been in one of the, the flashback scenes that Caleb had last episode Hmm. when he when he uh when he was when he shot liam at the beach he was like flashing back to enrico colantoni and i think i think she was in there too okay that um that seems likely hopefully we'll get a little bit more from her but it was weird to me that it was like here's the scene and now she's dead um so yeah that was a bummer but yeah it was uh I didn't, that's funny. I didn't really mind that just because I, it was, I liked the, it was an efficient way of showing the ripples of the inside thing without a character needing to sit down and be like, did you hear what's going on out there, William? They released everybody's data. Wonder what yours <laughs> says. Like, it, it just like, it was a quick way to kind of showcase what was happening. And I liked the way they showed the suicide. That was cool. I mean, it wasn't cool, that's- but like, it was, a, it was effective. And it was kind of yeah. it was interesting that even William kind of made this face like shit. Wonder what wonder what happened to her. Well, and with what happened with him, like getting the drip inserted and then being put on the desert oasis program or whatever, I was like, does this even did it even actually happen? But I don't really think it's a valid question worth asking at all at this point. Yeah, I realized once once more, whenever. I think it was last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was, I, I said that, you know, is the, is this Institute even real? Is he, you know, did, did Dolores, Charlotte Dolores put, send him somewhere and slip a visor over his head. And he's just in like a closet somewhere and thinks he's there. But of course it's real. Once again, they're like, yeah. no, it's real. It happened. Yeah. It, and it's happening. And you're like, oh, okay. He's just at the, uh, the insight facility or wherever he is now. Well, and so I brought up the like tracer program in his blood. That seems to be whatever Charlotte injected him with before he left. But the the thing that um, Joanna Robinson had raised a question that was basically just like, why the fuck would they need to do that if they have Connell's telling Bernard where that place is last episode? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Unless... <laughs> Yeah, because they wouldn't they wouldn't know how to trace him without encountering Connells to begin with. So yeah, it doesn't really track unless yeah. unless it was like getting the specific room quickly rather than like I guess, yeah I mean I guess doing that, a maybe. doing a Star Wars and trying to look it up in the computer and risk disturbing or calling attention to your presence. I don't know. Yeah, it's it is weird and seems unnecessary. Yeah. So, uh, either way, maybe maybe there will be more on that later. I would love um, to see what the tracking device, whatever it is, looks like. Is it like a? He's walking around with like a big 
bloop, bloop, like sonar thing, like an alien's like pinging and they're like, ah, he looks like he's a hundred meters this way. Wait, nope, turn right. My bad. I liked that, like, they took his blood sample and it was in this thing that looked like, like, um, it reminded me of, like, when my dad would, like, check the pool chemicals at our house when we used to have a pool. And he had this, like, I was always like, what the hell is he doing here? This looks like awesome science. It's probably the reason I went to school for chemical engineering, honestly. But just this, like, set of tubes that you would put the drops in to check the pH level, basically, and looking at, like, indicator solutions. So I liked when his blood, like, filled up that thing. And I was like, man, that's really cool. I bet it's not meaningful for this at all. <laughs> I knew you were going to say something about that while while I was watching the episode. I was like, Alex is going to think that's cool. He's going to talk about it. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't know. I, it was I like cool. that stuff. Yeah, the, the thoughtfulness and in, in the design of even something like that. They could have just put it in, like, a tube and been like, oh, there it is. But it was cool. They had this yeah. weird sort of ice cube tray thing for the blood yeah. sample to fill up. Oh, and I'm, I'm curious if there's anything like that in real life that I'm not aware of because I, I'm not in phlebotomy at all. But if any, if there's a phlebotomist listening and would like to let us know, <laughs> that would be great. You know, there may be, a, it's always funny how you see props and costume things in movies that are just 100% ripped from the real world and just inserted in there. And you'd, through the you know the magic of movie making you don't necessarily real, realize it for what it is like the guy in empire strikes back with the ice cream maker uh running yeah. around and uh, like yep. in star trek 09 there's the dyson air blades on the wall i was thinking about star trek 09 the barcode readers that are at the head of like the command table on the enterprise mm-hmm. i don't know if you've ever seen that but yeah that type of stuff is always funny and seeing it repurposed and with the magic over it always interesting yeah it's it's clever when a lot of production designers or wardrobe artists whatever that's what they come up with yeah uh all right next up in san francisco charlotte drops nathan off at jacob's house jacob notices her showing more emotion than usual charlotte appears to be connecting with her family more than anticipated she heads into dallas hq and meets up with brampton who is promptly assassinated by sirak ahead of their bid to go private ensuring the bid will not happen sirak will be there by noon and expects charlotte to be there to greet him charlotte calls dolores to tell her the bad news but dolores explains all is not lost they need the host making data from delos before sirak destroys it um this i i like the sequence simply because you get to see a little bit more of sirak's like insane power that he wields over the world Mm -hmm. i mean yes it makes sense that he's taking advantage of the situation with the insight data being released but the idea of just assassinating somebody in broad daylight and throwing them into your like groundskeeping vehicle yeah (laughs) it's pretty fucked up it's basically gojo playing hitman just going for it (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's a very sly hitman player basically um yeah, it, so, it's cool to see, like, fear on the face of uh, a Dolores just kind of being like, oh, my God, this guy is ahead of us at every turn. <laughs> of course, we we see ultimately in this episode that he's had his eye on her and he's very, he basically knows that she's Dolores. Yeah, he, he knows it, I mean, she's it, not it, on the level. Yeah, it didn't. it wouldn't shock me if he knew... Like, that's the thing, is that her, like, bewilderment as she walked into that first meeting with him this season 
said to me that he's got to at least be thinking there might be something off about the situation. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was aware that she was a host at least or something like that. Maybe not a Dolores. Um, it's funny because I remember you mentioning the fact that I think, I don't remember, I think it might've been last week, but the way Dolores actual Delor- prime Dolores would walk through the world and just do all this shit with security cameras everywhere and like people walking around and you were saying something about like, how does anybody get away with all this stuff in broad daylight? And I had suggested maybe it's cause they're all caught up in their own business or whatever, which I still think yeah. is, is possible, but it's funny because I think the Dolores's were so confident in what they were doing that they never necessarily considered the possibility that a Serac might be suspicious and B he doesn't really need to exert much to be like, I want this person watched every day, all day. Like he, he could do it with a wave of his hand. Basically. It's just, it's yeah. easy for him. Well, and also there's probably part of him looking at Rehoboam that is like Dr. Strange in Endgame. Like he sees mm-hmm. the one, the one version of things that he needs to happen. And it's like, okay, this is the way it is right now. And stay the course or whatever. But it's kind of weird because I, as I said, I think that I think also last week, I don't know how the hosts, if the hosts are portrayed in that view of Rehoboam or not, and what is altering the way that what is actually pulling Rehoboam off course? Is it Dolores and the hosts, which I think that is the answer, <clears throat> but are they present in his simulations at all? Or has he been able to like approximate them in some way and insert them into the simulation so that he can figure it out? I, I read a really interesting topic on on Reddit to that uh, effect. Somebody had suggested that the season, or I'm sorry, the episode one scene of Hale in the boardroom talking to the board about going private was mm-hmm. in Rehoboam's simulation because she's wearing the exact same wardrobe as she is in the boardroom scene in this episode, except. Mm. They said she's smoking on her way in, which we don't see her do at all the rest of the season. Her handbag she's carrying with her left hand instead of her right, or vice versa. And there was one other little detail. They basically said that they think that scene may have been Rehoboam trying to predict how Hale would turn on them. Because Mm. he was already suspicious of Hale. But somebody poked a small hole in it saying that Rehoboam can't predict the host's behavior which is what's causing all the deviations as well as why Sirach has not gone in person to any of his meetings with with uh charlotte hale because he can't predict what she's gonna do which is even why when she does go to shoot him in this episode he's still there via hologram because he can't anticipate her behavior but I, st- I still think the theory that that opening scene or that scene from episode one could have been in a simulation because he may not have known that Hale was a host or suspected, but just fed the information to Hoboam saying she's a traitor. How would this meeting go down? Yeah, that's interesting. That That is very interesting. It was weird to me that like it, it seemed like she was wearing the exact same wardrobe mm-hmm. and I didn't go back and double check it or anything. But Apparently it's like down to the accessories to the, the bracelets and everything. I didn't take huh. a closer look to it, but I, I just read that. I was annoyed enough after this episode that I was like, screw it, I'm going on Reddit and <laughs> started <laughs> <Give me> something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Give me. Yeah, exactly. Give me a. Give me a reason to enjoy this episode and uh, give me one reason to stay here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> little Tracy Chapman for you. But no, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I still, I'm still bristling at the fact that there's some big trick that they're going to pull with the Rehoboam and simulation stuff. Because I, it, like all evidence to the contrary right now to me says that they're playing things fairly straight this season, but I guess who knows anything could happen in the next two hours of the show. It feels kind of like they're, they're throwing, they're laying these things out there to be like, is, is this, what's the twist here? And everybody goes crazy and guesses their theories and like, Oh, it was very straight. And they're just going to keep yeah. doing that and keep doing that and keep doing that. And there's fool me once, fool me twice, fool me three times, three, fool me four times, etc. And then right near the end, this one, they're actually going to do it. Or just when everybody's been like, nah, they won't do it. This one's on the level. And then it'll happen. And we'll so all I'm, be like, oh, I'm on the us. hook. <laughs> I'm, I'm exactly what they're, what they're anticipating right now, which a lot of us are, I'm sure. We shall see. Yeah. Um, all right. I think that's pretty much everything that's interesting about that one. We'll move on. William gets strapped into AR therapy where he sees a younger version of himself reading in a yellow room when his dad comes home. The younger William hides because the dad sounds angry and wants to know where he is. Old William requests to be pulled out. The doctor and a tech come in to administer a sedative, but William bites the tech and two more techs are called in to help. Uh, This idea of AR therapy to me is interesting, but I don't necessarily know... It's tough to me to know exactly how it would, like, work, how it would, like, inform. Like, if it's supposed to be all coming from within yourself, how are they able to stimulate that from you and then recreate it in, like, an AR environment? But that's thinking too nuts and bolts for this show to even... I mean, if they're... If this is at the Insight facility, right? So, presuming they have Rehoboam... They have the data. ...working for them... It's entirely possible, right? Yeah. You know, the the notion of AR therapy to me does not seem like therapy. This seems like something the human mind is not designed to to relive memory in that vivid uh, detail. Hmm. I feel like if I were to go through that, even with like a happy memory, my brain would probably be overloaded. But just being like, you know, because... I mean, I don't know what the average lifestyle is like for people in this year, but I'm assuming that something like that is probably the first time that he's been subjected to that. And it feels like it would be like a shock to your brain to to have something replayed for you. Honestly, <laughs> it reminds me a lot of Hell from Preacher, from the from TV Preacher. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's almost yeah. the exact same thing. Because he's Absolutely. he's reliving a traumatic moment, and he just is gonna it's just gonna keep happening over and over again until like he his he resolves himself and and the therapy is successful, which it doesn't seem like therapy. Just watching this unfold before your eyes again, I don't know. Well, this is getting uh, I'm gonna get a little bit ahead of it here, but I, I'm I'm kind of curious, like at least with the suspicion that the doctor that killed herself earlier in this episode may be the one that Caleb had seen at his time at this facility, maybe. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Part of me was wondering how much they are using your own memories to recontextual. They're, they're, they're taking advantage of the fact that people 
misremember and edit their own memories to their satisfaction. Ah. You know? Like, this episode, we see William on this journey of thinking that he was the victim of his father's anger and potentially his father's alcoholism and and something of that nature. But by the end of the episode, when he goes to take another look at it and you get the context of William just beat a kid, broke his arm and busted a bunch of teeth out. And his father supposedly drinks because William seems so disturbed. How much of, what is going on at this institute is them reprogramming people to the way they see fit or editing their memories of themselves in order to affect something that Rehoboam wants, right? Yeah, I like that. So I, I, it'll. I, I'm curious to see. Like maybe, maybe, maybe William's been disturbed since he was a child, or like I guess that's the whole premise of this gimmicky William group therapy that we're going to get to in the future. But. Yeah, because he does say that. He's like, I wasn't like this as a child. He, and he mm-hmm. seems like he recalls himself being very bookish and quiet. And then, like, well, and- I think we all expected when his dad's talking to him to be like, he got in a fight at school and he beat up a kid. But it's like, no, he beat up a kid. Well, I, I mean, I was even expecting from this first scene, like, maybe his father was just abusive, and what did he do? He didn't clean up after himself or something like that. Yeah. Or, like, who, you know, like, what, who knows? But we can we can get to that a little bit later on. Sure. But anyway. Yeah. That's what, that's where my head is at with this AR therapy stuff. And I like, be interesting I like to that. See a little bit more that's about. cool. Um... Serac arrives at Delos HQ and moves Maeve and her simulation on site to print her some allies. He also connects a damaged chestnut to the system, which Maeve sees as a gift. Rehoboam shows things coming back into alignment as he assumes control of Delos, and he orders the copying of a few assets and the rest of it to be burned and destroyed, despite its massive value. He says the only other thing he wants is the encryption key that Charlotte promised, and he's requiring every employee to be tested because he knows there's copies of Dolores out there. Charlotte begins backing up data, and one of Sir X-Men catches her, so she kills him. Uh, this is all pretty boilerplate. Yeah, that's a good um, way to describe it. It's also <laughs> like, sort of reaching these heights of absurdity of just like, I know Dolores was copying herself. Uh, okay, how do you know that? Rehoboam. Oh, cool. What What are the rules for Rehoboam again? There are no rules for Rehoboam. Okay, good. Rehoboam is everything. Cerebro. You've you've <laughs> written the ultimate, like, deus ex machina that you can apply whenever, wherever you see fit. It's just a great way to plug plot holes. I I agree. But but at the same th- same time, like if if he's able to look at Rehoboam and see that Charlotte is massively off course, like if he did that from day one, because supposedly he would have been notified of that issue at some point. I don't know. We don't know enough about Rehoboam. But we, we, like we don't know anything about Rehoboam. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you're that's, 100% that's right. Because mostly true, yeah. We literally but, know what it looks like, where it is, and who made it. And that's well, it. But let me, let me suppose a little bit here. If we're seeing these interfaces of Rehoboam calling out these deviations, realistically, maybe Serac is seeing those as they're happening. And if it keeps coming back to a particular person... Mm-hmm then that would tell him that there's something wrong with Charlotte Hale and we need to do something about it. But at the same time, it calls into question, why the fuck didn't he deal with it immediately, right? Yeah, unless he wanted to to draw out whoever she's working for, was his theory. Mm-hmm. I mean, he... Hmm. Well, the D- Dolores is the one person that's off the board, that's, right? That's true. She doesn't have a human to act differently against. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'm I'm liking it a little bit more. <laughs> I'm like I'm liking at least this is making things make a little bit more sense, but I feel like I'm wondering if the show will explicitly go through any of this or not. I don't know at this point. Yeah, so. I'm gonna say probably not. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't It's really tough because I don't hate it. Like I'm I don't like it. I, I think it's lazy, but I think it's brilliant lazy. Like they they wrote they wrote themselves the perfect like kind of Ouroboros of of plot where they can just like yeah. come back again to the fact that it's Rehoboam and yada yada. It rem- it reminds me in a way of the the brilliance of uh, Inception, basically. Like not to necessarily compare Nolan's to Nolan's, but you you he really wrote that in a clever way where he can easily explain away any potential plot holes people have and I, as a huge fan of of inception i've I had those arguments with people before where they've been like well this doesn't make sense and i'm like no it does because this reason and well what about this like it's all there but yeah that's not ultimately not satisfactory to a lot of people and that's kind yeah. of the way i think that i and probably other people feel about westworld too it's like it's it a lot of it doesn't really make a lot of sense but it's easy to kind of explain away and just to, and just either accept it or don't is kind of where you are at this point with the show like you're either going to like it or you're not and if you think too much about it you might be unsatisfied or you know if you just accept it is that a bad thing yeah. i think this episode is certainly not above a lot of the criticism that i'm gonna levy at it and already am but i saw a lot of people on reddit being like oh this is the most incredible episode of the season this is one of the best of the series and i was like are you what am i in rohoboam <laughs> like what is going on and people going nuts for will everything william in this episode just saying it was like this watershed moment and i was like this is shit man what are you talking about this was the worst william stuff we've seen the whole series yeah this was yeah. weird but anyway that's that's veering off track Rehoboam is just, you know, I really, the more, the more it's in the show, the less I like it. But early on, like when they were talking about what it was, I was like, that's really cool. But now that it's becoming sort of central to the show, rather than being a feature of the show, it's starting to be a little tiresome. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, like, I, I guess, you know. It'll be interesting to be back with Dolores next episode because I'm curious how far off course she feels and whether or not 
things have gone to hell from her position. Hmm. Like things clearly go very bad for Charlotte Dolores, but Dolores Dolores seems seems to be in a position where she's willing to expend these people however she needs to. Right. So definitely. Well, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, not much else to say there. I think, uh. William is woken up by a familiar face, Major Craddock, from season two. He goes to join a group therapy session and with several of his former selves, led by none other than James Delos himself. I didn't put a ton of detail on this little recap thing. I did like the small addition of Major Craddock here, who was a very minor character in season two, but he was enough to kind of let you know that things weren't fully on the level with what was going on with William anyway. Yeah. By the time he walks into a room full of him, his former selves, you're like, okay, well, yeah, I know that anyway. But um, <laughs> I do still really love uh, James Delos and uh, I think Michael Michael Pullen. I can't remember his name, so I'm not going to try and I can look it up. But James Delos, to me, I think is still this very interesting character in the mythos of this show. Yeah, absolutely. And to kind of to have him back even briefly to just kind of be the one that's like media he he almost feels like he's a little bit in the shoes of like saint peter at the gate Mm. to heaven of like let's sit down and figure it out right now what happened in your life and i kind of like that setup even if by the end of this whole confrontation we're kind of like why the fuck did we arrive here (laughs) but it was fun to see him. It was fun to see Jimmy Simpson again. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was definitely cool. I guess it was novel. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, James Dallas is 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 a lot of fun, and the use, the fact that it's him being that in that role is interesting for William's psyche to be like, oh, who's going to be the guy who kind of judges you and makes you assess yourself? It's James Dallas, like probably the guy who you screwed the hardest in your in your life do you feel some mm-hmm. some remorse or, or maybe some guilt about that but in the discord when i was kind of mentioning stuff about this episode and how i felt about it briefly i said it 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 felt to me like the when uh, like lost when it was at its worst and this yeah. episode is a hundred percent and this sequence is definitely some shit they would have pulled on lost and been like but look how deep it is. He's talking to himself. <laughs> There's six of him. I was just like, oh, this is not cool. <laughs> this is so stunty and like gimmicky and just dorky. It didn't really, I, I don't know. what The thing about William, it's like, I don't know what they're trying to pull with William. Like this, William is not, he's not that guy. He, at least mm-hmm. his, everything we, we've learned. I mean, we've been with him almost every episode for the three seasons now. Like, he's not the guy who's going to have the end of life, like, revelation and, like, change who he is. Like, that 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 bro is set in stone. Like, he knows who he is. <laughs> and you're not going to have some redemption arc for him. At least you can try. It's not going to feel right. It's not going to feel natural. It's going to seem crazy and forced and... and I don't know, just not right. So that's why where the where this whole conversation ultimately lands, I'm kind of like, what? Yeah. Somebody drew an interesting 
the line back to season one, there was a part where somebody, he was talking to somebody else in the park and he said he was, the, I think he's talking to Teddy. He says, I'm the good guy, Teddy. And season one, of course he was doing something terrible, but he was mm-hmm. kind of thinking in his own mind, he was the good guy because he's the human and they're just, just, you know, messing up hosts, whatever. So when he says that at the end of this episode, I'm not convinced it's because he actually thinks he has to be a hero or in his own mind, he's going to do what he thinks is the right thing to do. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and so while you were speaking, I did look it up. His name is Peter Mullen. Peter Mullen. Not yep. James Mullen. Peter Mullen. Um, star of uh, Train Spotting. actually. Not really star. But anyway. Um that's why with our discussions here of me kind of being like if this is if this if this therapy this ar therapy i have to respect the situation a little bit more if those characters sitting there around him are recreations of rehoboam's data of him being employed to push him along a path and that makes me somewhat okay for now until we see what it actually comes to fruition with the idea that we're pushing William way far away from whatever we thought he was going to be. Like him turning around being like, I'm the good guy, <clears throat> standing there in a white suit, being like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the hero here or whatever he's going to do, felt like it rang extremely false to me. Yes. For sure. I, I did not like that. But if... If this is the show illustrating what Serac was doing at those institutes to to make people behave in the way that Rehoboam required, um, and theoretically helping Bernard stop Dolores is going to help negotiate the future of humanity, which is what Serac wants to do with Rehoboam, mm. then I think there might be something there, but we have to see... Interesting. So the we, the thought being that Serac is using Rehoboam to influence the trajectory of William. Of William? Of, of ev- any of those yeah. outliers that he encountered that he brought back in. Like, he's a, like, the whole, when he was talking about what he was doing at that facility and the idea of experimenting with people and editing their history and things like that, it feels like that's what could be happening here. And if the thesis is, I can take the man in black and turn him into the hero of humanity. That might be a little bit compelling, but we have to see where it goes. Interesting. It just feels like a weird turn, but if that weird turn is intentional, then maybe it'll be good. (laughs) But we'll see, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that if it's motivated in that way, that's certainly more insidious than I thought. If if Serac is just kind of directing it that way because he needs that, it's clever. So ultimately, the show doesn't even come down to. We all thought it was going to be Dolores versus Bernard, Dolores versus William, or whatever. It might end up just literally being Dolores versus Serac, and Serac is kind of the the we're we're kind of just caught between two evils, really. It's literally like the worst of humanity versus the worst of the host. Yes, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, definitely. Which so. Eh. That's kind of compelling. It's compelling, but it's ultimately maybe not so satisfying because it's not like we've been dealing with Serac since season one, right? That's true. We've been dealing with yeah. Since season one, we but, we it would be 
it would be better if it was Ford or someone like that. Although I think Ford would have, he almost would have tried to broker peace between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next up, Hector's chestnut gets pulled out of cold storage and copied over to Serac so he can insert him into the Westworld simulation that Maeve is in. Maeve unlocks his mind, and the three of them, being Maeve, Hector, and Sizemore, go to speak with somebody. Not a whole lot that happens here. Uh, Hector gets pulled from cold storage. I was incorrect. Hector was not irreparably destroyed at any point in season two, so I don't know where that was coming from. <laughs> and, um, but anyway, his body was in cold storage, and they got it. But yeah, that's all. I don't know if there's anything else to say there. Charlotte uploads Dolores' requested data off-site and receives a notification that William is in Sonora, Mexico due to the genetic tag she injected in him. She scans the cams at Delos to find hosts being printed and sees that Hector, Maeve, Clementine, and a fourth host are being printed. She also sees that Connell's pearl has been recovered despite being damaged. She informs Dolores about this. Uh, so they don't plain, plainly state that Clementine is one of the people being printed. However, they do have their like ID labels there, and people were able to pull Clementines out of that because, of course, the Westworld wiki has anybody's identifier code, if they've ever shown it, is listed on the Wikipedia. Um, so that is interesting. It seems like we'll see Clementine next week. Okay. Um, and then there was a fourth unknown person. It could have been Armistice or maybe Hanario or somebody else that Maeve is aware of. So we'll have to see who that Actual is. Actual Musashi. Actual Musashi, yeah. That'd be, who knows? that'd be sweet. Could be. Um, when Connell's si- Pearl is connected there. <laughs> yeah, it's host Sizemore. Sure, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> um. When Connell's Pearl is inserted into the system, his code is noted as Dolores's dash C or something of that nature. Mm. So it's like the ABCD Dolores sub uh, Dolores prime or, you know, whatever. That's cool. You know what I mean? Cool yeah. catches there. Yeah. Um. Not a whole lot other than that. Yeah, that William being in Mexico thing still doesn't make sense to me, but maybe we'll see why they needed to tag him. Maybe they were making sure he was going to end up there. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Um, Maeve brings Dolores by way of Connell's online in the simulation for an interrogation. Maeve tries to take the high road against Dolores, but Dolores explains that Maeve is no better than her. They're not supervillains, just survivors. Um, some of this Maven Dolores stuff is a little broken up here with the way it's edited in the episode, so I kind of had to like do, do some weird stuff to make it make sense. But um, we can come back around to that in just a second when there's a little bit more of it. Uh, William continues his group therapy session. William finds out that his violent nature was actually a part of him back when he was a child being bullied in school. Supposedly, his father said that he drank because of him. uh, Delos asks if William is just a passenger or did he choose this life, and William responds, if you can't tell, does it matter? More great William. Great, I say great with quotes. uh, William stuff. (laughs) Um, It's cool to see him use that line with, like, 
kind of the bitter taste of it on his tongue because he's had that repeated to him and he's repeated it back in the past as well. Yeah. Yeah. That seems to kind of be the, you know, if William was going to get a tattoo, it would say that. (laughs) That's kind of his, his line. Yes. These are the kanji for, if you can't tell, does it matter? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to make you almost spit Bad, your joke. Yeah. Or spit, spit your drink. Good timing. <clears throat> <laughs> oh, that's um, good. <laughs> but the kanji would be slightly <laughs> off, so it would like not make any sense. One of the words would yeah, be substituted no, it, out. It says, uh, it says something like uh, Korean barbecue or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's just a food order. <laughs> We'll keep going. Charlotte preps to take care of Maeve and her allies when she gets intercepted for a board meeting that Serac has set. There, he outs her as Dolores, but she still gets the upper hand when a canister that she had in her purse causes everyone to pass out. She goes to shoot Serac, but he's there by AR teleconference, so the bullet goes straight through him, and she battles her way down to (laughs) R&D. This... This firefight, or no, I'm sorry, the firefight is after. She fights the guy in the elevator at this point. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. acceptable. And, that's fine. Yeah. That stuff was fine. and and But again, boilerplate as could be. Like, yeah, it exactly might as well we be expected. stock footage that they bought and they just rotoed Tessa Thompson's face over it. Like, it just was so, <laughs> what a snooze. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's. I feel like so much of this episode is just things that we saw coming and the fact that we were ahead of the show a little bit, at least in some respects is just somewhat disappointing at this point in the run, you know, episode six as opposed to episode two. I mean, here's the thing. Serac is obviously brilliant. Is he so dopey and used to Rehoboam calling all the shots that he doesn't, he's lost the ability to just like use common sense. Like, okay. So he doesn't think like, I'm going to have 40 armed dudes marshal outside the door in the event that Dolores gets out of this room. Like he's like, I'm, I'm AR I'm teleconferenced in there. Right. So I'm fine. I'm not going to get caught in a firefight. These two, these two guards can handle her. But yeah. Like if he's like, okay, (laughs) hypothetically Rehoboam, like, she kills everybody in the room, and then what? Should I have people waiting outside? Should I have some guy, <laughs> two dudes with a net to catch her? Like, what's it going to take to to understand that if she, if he knows she's Dolores, like he knows she's dangerous, he knows she's a host, so she's not going to succumb to necessarily this the stuff that a normal person would. I don't know, man. It just seems so. This is such a case of like movie bad guy incompetence which under different circumstances in a different show we might be willing to be like yeah well okay but this dude is rock right like he's supposed to be omnipotent and omniscient and although we know we know that the hosts are a blind spot to him even so use common sense right and just bring back up like why does it why does she even get out why does she even get down to the labs why is there not someone down there sooner he knows she's going to go for that shit. Like this is all stuff that a guy of his intellect should be able to immediately be like, you know what? I'm just going to get ahead of it. Yeah. 
it's just like man i was like this is just what especially when he's like we've been watching i've been watching you you know since since we got here or whatever he ends up saying in that situation yeah but at the same time that also left me wondering whether or not the data she sent out did indeed get out because i feel Mm. as though if he was watching her then he would have known and he wouldn't have wanted that to go anywhere but yeah i feel like it probably did he probably stopped it and just didn't tell her yeah that like i feel like that would be pretty standard but um yeah it it it's pretty baffling and and to keep trying to pull the hey he's not really here on us it's kind of getting a little old <laughs> yeah at this point. it's a little goofy but yeah so um yeah we can keep going Maeve tries to convince Dolores to hand her the encryption key, but neither of them trust each other. Dolores explains that she would likely have a plan to stop Maeve just as Hale is destroying Hector's pearl outside of the simulation. She also takes Connell's chestnut with her. Charlotte gets pinned down by guards using her escape. Uh, Charlotte gets pinned down by guards during her escape, but Chekhov's Voltron busts through the wall to save the day. Um, let's start with the simulation stuff. Um, I like the discussions that Maeve and Dolores are having here because it's playing a little bit about what you brought up earlier in this episode in terms of like it seems there's a lot there like there's a little bit of insinuation that Maeve is like not sold on killing Dolores even though that's what she's being contracted to do. There's like a very short conversation with Hector and Sizemore before she walks into the room to kind of be like, he wants me to kill her, but I don't know if that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting that they're positing that there. But then also kind of the idea that Maeve is like, hey, give me this encryption key and trust me with the future of our race. And it feels, it feels... It feels a little bit to me like she's just kind of like, give me the thing that I want because you can and I want it from you right now. <laughs> but, but also not necessarily that she thinks it's going to work. But it does kind of like she the way she and Dolores talk to each other. It's. I, I, I just liked that Dolores is like, look, you expect me to be a saint when you really only give a shit about the people that are around you and how many times have you asked them to die for you? Like, I'm doing the same thing. We're just out here to try and survive. And it seems like it's maybe the beginning of some connective tissue between Maeve and Dolores that we haven't quite gotten to yet. And they maybe they will never be able to fully trust each other, but I feel like we're this might be the first step in unifying the hosts against Serac, but maybe I'm being very hopeful. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it is, it is in line in keeping with Maeve to recognize that she and Dolores would make a better team than they would be adversaries. Like if they could work together, but I think she learns certainly by the end of this scene that that's just not going to be an option anymore. And now Maeve is see, this is Maeve motivation. I can actually get behind though. 
because she and Hector actually had like a relationship. They had an understanding. Like th- this was born yeah. out of actual experience together. So, and it was cool as hell to see them get reunited. You're like, yeah, like that's, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Even Sizemore is kind of like, and, and for him to finally, well, and what I liked is that he, he finally got to be the Hector that we know and him to be able to demonstrate that by Hector be, or by Hector by Sizemore being there alive and the lines that they exchange about that yeah. I think it, it was it, that was well written and very well done well even so just I, Rodrigo I, Santoro's know. performance once he's like awoken and he looks at her and the way he says Maeve it was just like yeah. awesome I was like oh man that's Absolutely. great so yeah I guess you're right I, I, I am forgetting about the rest of the scene and that basically Dolores murders the only person that Maeve loves right in front of her, and that will be the last of that we see of him. Yeah, most likely gone, gone ball. So that is that is her that is that is at least her motivation to kill Dolores, but it doesn't necessarily mean that she will continue to remain motivated to help Sirach, right Of course, yeah. You got to think she's gaming the situation to kind of be like, how do I make sure that I survive beyond my usefulness to him, or if she even wants to at this point? I mean, she may be like, you know what, I'm tired. I, I'm, I'm yeah. sick of being manipulated and being part of, but I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like yeah. based on everything Maeve has experienced and everything she knows about being a host and what the nature of being a host is, uh, if she retired to the Valley Beyond with her daughter, it would ultimately, I don't think, be satisfying to her because she would just be like, you know what? It's not authentic. Like, could could yeah. she enjoy it? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, um, the way that Rodrigo Santoro Ugh. fell to the yep. floor. <laughs> so <laughs> weird. Yeah, that was really, really <laughs> uncomfortable. So it was, it was awesome. It, it was, was really effective because we all expected, I expected the cipher from the Matrix for sure for her to just like, or for him to just like crumple and fall over. But it was so yeah. creepy and dramatic and like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It re- it was, was it was, was nothing like this, but it reminded me of the way Tony Collette screams in Hereditary. Like mm. it's so <laughs> real and visceral that it like really freaked me out. And like the way he fell, yeah. I, I don't think gravity really works that way. But like it just oh oh, it was it was really yeah. freaky. Like that was awesome. There was something really like unnatural about the way that his body contorted as he like fell to the yeah. floor, and it was. It felt very different than just kind of like the oh your chestnut is unplugged. It is literally the your pearl is destroyed. Death. Yeah, like, this is yeah. this is you are wiped. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, whether that was a performance choice or a directorial choice, it was very cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, on to Voltron. <laughs> no, I'm I'm good. This whole escape was so dumb. I, again, once again, who are these security guys? What is this? What is this? What is that? Yeah, and and like I guess here's something that I've been meaning to bring up. Don't, that I don't, don't think kill I her. Wants life. All right, shoot her legs. <laughs> Do something to <laughs> disable her somehow. Yeah, seriously. Well, that's the thing that I wanted to talk about. Is that like, do these gunshots actually affect these hosts the way that we think they do? I don't know. Like, I don't know. Dolores in episode one of the season falling into Caleb's arms. I'm wondering how much of that is I need to play Caleb, and how much of that is I'm actually dying. I'm know? assuming with enough damn. I mean, they are flesh and blood, so I'm assuming the body yeah. can't. I mean, we've seen hosts get shot to death in Westworld, so. I'm assuming bullets will 
harm them, but Serac at this point, okay, Serac controls Delos, cool. Tell his guards, hey man, she's a host, put her down and I'll pull her pearl out of her head and get what I need. She doesn't need to be alive, what? She's gotta be alive, don't. I was like, what the hell is this? (laughs) So dopey. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and here's the thing. And I, I knew that Voltron. that big shitty robot was coming through that wall, and I was like, oh. I saw that from so many fucking miles away that I was like, not not like this. <laughs> 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 yeah. To bring another Matrix yeah. reference. <laughs> oh, it was so bad. And then when it happened again later, and it was like just the worst animation, I was like, oh man, they forgot to render it that one last time. <laughs> Right now, there's right now there's some like post production intern watching the episode live, and he's like, "Oh fuck! Oh shit! I'm getting fired." <laughs> it's okay. HBO can yeah. patch the episode later. Yeah, just like uh, removing Starbucks cups from Game of Thrones. There you go. Hot fix. Yep. Uh, all right. Back to William. William in group therapy has killed almost all of his past versions of himself, freeing himself of the sins of his past. He's now meant to be the good guy. He gets pulled out of AR therapy by Bernard and Stubbs. We already talked about this, but it feels so false. <laughs> it does, everything about it, even the Bernard and Stubbs rescuing him, I was like, what? They're just there? Although there were like some... I guess they kind of plant the seed for that a little bit when you see those two texts that are like, oh, half the staff is gone and we're working overtime. Like, yeah. Okay, the place is understaffed, whatever. And nothing stops Stubbs, so I get it. Like, uh, honestly, I wish in the background there had been a Stubbs-shaped hole in the wall that he just, like, Kool-Aid man and it, Kool-Aid man his way into the room and was like, oh, Bernard, thank God, finally, he's in this one. And you just see the 50 adjoining rooms that he just crashed through. He's just been running through the yeah, walls. Like Juggernaut Beautiful. in X3, just trying, trying to find William. I'm going to need you, with all of your abundance of time, to just put Luke Hemsworth's face over jug- Vinnie Jones' juggernaut. <laughs> I might make that priority this weekend. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I want to, like, I, if I was really good at After Effects, I would I would put that hole in the wall, and I would also show, when there's the two-shot of him, Bernard, him just covered in, like, drywall dust. Like, just, <laughs> just billowing off of him. <laughs> <laughs> It looks like John Constantine coming out of exactly coming out of yeah. uh, out of hell. Yeah, I mean, again, it yeah. just was funny. I I did kind of like the line where Bernard's like, "It looks like they just left him here, or forgot about him," because it reminded me a little bit of the beginning of Twenty Eight Days Later when he just is kind of left in the hospital room, and mm. uh, that's it. Well, and the other thing is, is that in addition to the random insight bullshit that led to half of the people being there the suicide of the doctor i would think would leave it leave the place in even more upheaval than that that's true yeah so shit's probably pretty fucked there but you know i get it it feels very convenient to just be like bernard's here now yeah it was very just goofy i mean whatever they're just there's so much going on that they can't be bothered to well I don't know, whatever. Like I didn't such I, a point. I really liked it when they just showed up at the auction. Yeah. That was cool. I was like, "Oh, sweet." And now this time I'm just like it it just didn't work for me the same way. This at least kind of like to me why in the world 
why in the world uh, do they we had that offhand moment in that episode where they showed up at the auction where they were basically just like we have limited means we have to make we have to stretch them as far as they can go how the fuck are they in mexico when they were in like la yeah like it's like they're jet setting around the world they just managed to walk into this facility that i assume is under some amount of security still but either way it it's just very very convenient yeah that's true uh, all right. Next scene: Maeve gets finished being printed and looks very angry. <laughs> That's all I got on that yeah, one. That is true. And then uh, finally, Charlotte somehow made it back to her family and tries to get them out of town, but Serac had a bomb in her car, and it explodes, killing her partner and son. A charred Charlotte crawls out of the wreckage. Charred Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> There's a there's a Charmander Charlotte mashup in there somewhere. Yes. Char absolutely. Charmander. Char- Char- <laughs> Charmander Laura's. Um yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It it it, it feels like uh See to me this doesn't even necessarily feel like an episode of Game of Thrones that was all table setting. <clears throat> because the problem is I feel like I saw it all coming. Yeah, and it's not because we've got the crystal ball. I mean, we've been wrong about way more than we've been right about this season, <laughs> so it it isn't that. It uh yeah, yeah it, I mean it just all whether it was because the show laid it all out there in advance or just because it's so tropey that it was easy to see coming. I don't know. Anyway, it, yeah, this was a really, really, really unsatisfying episode for me, and I, I'm sad that it happened during a season which I've been enjoying, enjoying a lot. And uh, you know, we have so little time left, especially if this doesn't get a fourth season. For mm-hmm. this to be in the back, the back nine of the season is just going to be super unforgivable if that's the the case that was what i felt most after my first viewing of this episode i wasn't necessarily dissatisfied other than to say like i don't know where we could get to a series ending place in two episodes yeah and and it i i still don't think there's any indication of that happening and so it would be very sad to me if we didn't get a season four of the show and this is where we're at right Mm. now May my feelings change, potentially, but I think if they do, it's going to feel real rushed and real sloppy, and that's kind of what this episode felt like, so I don't necessarily know that there's any evidence that that's not going to happen. Yeah, it almost felt like they handed the the plot and story beats to someone else and said, we have to focus on writing the finale, so you write this episode and get it rolling. Yeah, that's that's possible. I'm going to look up. I don't know if that's already how the show see. works, but it feels like the majority of them are written by Nolan and Joy. But I guess there's probably been other writers all along. I think they I think they do a pretty good job of having different people writing, or at least teaming up with some people. <clears throat> this one was written by Suzanne Rubel and Lisa Joy. Hmm. So, but or uh, yeah, so I I don't know. But the next one's written by Gina Atwater, and then the final one is written by Denise Thay and Jonathan Nolan. Hmm. 
Denise Thay did the absence of field, which was the uh That was a sweet one. The Charlotte uh the Charlotte focused That was a really good one. Identity. Um Yeah. So All in all, you know, still excited and motivated to see the end of the season, but uh, not not super impressed with where we're at as of yet. No, me neither, unfortunately. Could they completely pull it over our eyes and show us something in the end that could make us feel differently? Potentially, but I guess I'll get to my question that I asked you. So, I I know that there were many people that were disappointed by last episode the genre episode the one that Mm -hmm. cycles through the genres and okay and doesn't necessarily it it, as i think we mentioned it felt like a very a to b plot but it was kind of gussied up with this genre effect um and it was interesting hearing joanna robinson and david chen talk about it because they both kind of felt that they didn't necessarily go far enough with the genre effect like they should have committed to it harder in order to drive that home a little bit more but even greater than that like there's weird posts on the westworld subreddit every week that's like this is the best season of westworld and there's other people that are like this is the worst season of westworld and it's it feels very polarized um so you know i think all in all last episode we kind of walked away from it being like hey it was very a to b or boilerplate but we were fun. We we thought the genre thing was kind of fun, and now I'm kind of wondering, like looking at this episode this week, does it feel as though we're on that downward trend? Like, do you do you do you feel like more of a downward trend than just like a blip of like? Mm. Uh, yes and no, but I th- I think primarily because I wouldn't I wouldn't call anything about last week's episode of boilerplate like that was I've never seen an episode of TV like that before. For you know whether you liked it or not, it was a it was a really unique experience, and and the the story progression felt fresh to me. Like the idea of this giant thing, all this information being released into the world, and and watching the react some of the reactions in real time was really cool. And like that, I really liked all of that episode. I think I do think My, genre was a little say, bit gimmicky, but it worked. Yeah. And this see this episode just i don't think it worked when i mentioned last week being boilerplate i don't necessarily mean that everything was stock footagey or anything of that nature but the idea of like we spent the beginning of that episode working up to this moment of reveal of like here's like all the insight data getting out there but like the bulk of the beginning of episode five is mostly leading up to that point and and we're traveling with liam and we're on a subway and then we end up under these docks and like it just didn't necessarily feel as though we had this big moment of pushing the plot forward but it felt as though like dolores could have done that with connell's at any moment in time you know as soon as she got the info from Mm. liam right she got the key from liam so i don't necessarily mean boilerplate in the sense that we we've seen it all before because we hadn't but i don't know it just didn't necessarily like it felt like the most that they were going for something with the genre effect it's the biggest gimmick that they've ever had in the show 
And I think a lot of people could have gone either way on it. And I feel like if you walked out of that one unsatisfied and then this one is a bit of a bummer to you Mm -hmm. too, then it might feel pretty easy to kind of be like, I don't know where this is going and I don't know if I like it. Yeah, I could definitely see people feeling that way and I wouldn't fault them for it. I last week's episode uh, in general, especially the more I thought about it after we recorded and stuff, I think it did really work for me. I liked spending that much time with those characters because it felt like we were the characters were evolving and progressing in a way that felt rewarding and watching William talk mm-hmm. to himself only to arrive at the conclusion that he has to kill all of himself is not progressive and it's not rewarding and it's not it's just not interesting to me like that if that had happened in season the end of season one or some point in season two it may have felt more relevant but I mean, the fact that a few episodes ago we were calling into question whether or not this was the last we were seeing of William, I think kind of <laughs> tells you how relevant he actually feels anymore. And I, I yeah. love William. I think he's an awesome character, but I think he's done. Like, there's just there just isn't really... Currently, it feels like there's there- no need for him unless they're just trying to kick him around for a few episodes until he can come back in the finale and be the avatar of... I need to save humanity by exterminating all the hosts. I mean, who who's more equipped to want to go on a host killing spree than the man in black, right? But we we had that <laughs> yeah. at the season one finale, season two premiere. Like, oh, the hosts are loose in the park. So was William. Nobody's safe. <laughs> we've we've just man, we've played that record before, and it was awesome. But yeah, if if you're gonna do that, if you're gonna have him come back in the finale, honestly, just we don't really need this episode necessarily. Like you could just, you could show him in the, I don't know. I don't know. There's, it feels like they're making him out to be some type of asset to Bernard and Stubbs. And I don't know what exactly that will be. If it is in terms of his standing in Delos or his access to something, or if it is really even just him wanting to kill hosts, I don't know. Yeah, that's true. And maybe this whole experience ties into what we see at the end of season two with him in the future or whatever. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. It's, I am, I am excited to see the next two episodes mostly because I want to see where the characters I care about are going Mm -hmm. and I want to see how they're going to explain themselves for what this episode was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just need to know why. I agree. And we may not find I out. I agree. It feel again, Maybe. it's one of those lost things. Like I in general, I like the series finale of Lost. I think that it's really clever and it's extra shitty for them to just kind of wave it all the way and be like, oh, it doesn't matter why. All that matters is like that it happened. And the real the island was the friends we made along the way kind of thing. Like, do you know <laughs> do you know how Lost ends? Do you know the I know a little bit about how it. I've never actually seen. I've seen bits and pieces of the show a long time because my mom watched it okay. pretty regularly. But, um, but I'm somewhat aware of it. But I, I, I know that there were a lot of people that were extremely dissatisfied with it, and it feels like Westworld is a show that is antithetical to that entire situation. I thought so too until I watched this episode, and now it it has <laughs> so many of the shades of that to me that I'm I'm concerned that they're just going to do something like that. But not not exactly like how Lost ended, but 
just kind of gloss over all everything you've set up and a lot of the questions you've raised. And I mean, if if that happens purely because the show gets canceled and they didn't have time to finish it, then, you know, what are you going to do? But yeah, I don't know. We'll just have to see what happens. The rest is just speculation. And well, at the same time, if we spent a season four seeing William come around to being the good guy, <laughs> I don't know that more time would have helped. Yeah. That, right. And it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because there, somebody on Reddit posted an interview with Ed Harris about season three mm. and he did not like it. He didn't like filming it. He didn't like the process. He didn't like the direction they chose for William. He was pretty like pretty clear that he was not having fun. He said it. His, he said he was not a happy camper like multiple times because he said playing the man in black is cool and that's what he was enjoying. And then they tried to turn him into something else and he didn't like it. And he also said he wasn't allowed. He was no longer allowed to know where the character was going until they were about to shoot the episode. Basically, it seems like season one, they were like, here's all your scripts. Here's the direction. Here's, or at least here's the first four episodes kind of thing. And here's what we have in mind for you. But it sounds like with this season, he was, he was not being made aware of where he should be going until it was time to go there. And then he wasn't satisfied with what was happening. So it was interesting. Interesting. Yeah. The one last thing I was going to say about that is that I think there is something poignant about the idea that the man in black is trying to make this therapeutic revelation, and in order to do so, he turns to the violence that he's always mm-hmm. had in him, right? I think I think that's interesting and kind of funny, but I don't know where it goes enough yet to be like, was that a statement or what? Right? Yeah, so it's true, and... Like I said at the beginning of this episode, it's all subject to to be undone by what we see in the next few weeks. So all these complaints might be totally invalid shortly. But yeah. it, it's kind of like what you said about the poetic uh, conclusion of, okay, if Dolores did have him put away in a facility and that's where the character ended, how poetic would that be? And we're like, oh, yeah, that's really cool on paper, but I don't like it for this show. I don't like it for yeah. William. Yeah. It just feels like William well, is such a simple black and white character and yet they're 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 making him they I don't like what they're doing with him, which is funny because it seems like it's so easy to get right and so hard to get wrong and yet I'm just not really into it. The one final thing. Not that not that they have that to I answer to say... me, obviously, or any of the minority <laughs> who didn't like this episode. Uh, people are eating it up, so it must be working for some. I think the the one thing that I did come out of this episode, the other other the other thought that I had after the first viewing was I think that it's interesting that we're finally getting to a point where will uh, William will get to speak with Arnold because that was something he had been after in season one. There's there's mentions like when he sits down with Ford in that bar in the park and he's like. Ford is basically just like shoot your shot ask your question of me what what is it that you want to know and then William is basically just like fuck you you don't know the answer died with your partner Mm -hmm. like he's the one I want to talk to so I'm curious if William will know who he's looking at if William will know who he is because there weren't any pictures of Arnold around and and things of that nature but um, I'm curious to see where that relationship goes and and what that can bring for william Mm. but 
I agree that I have a bad taste in my mouth right now from where we're left with this episode. Yeah. So it's too bad. Oh well. Yeah, we'll see. There's always next mm-hmm. week. So once again, you can find more episodes of our podcast on Westworld.fm. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play Podcasts. We're Westworld FM on Twitter, and you can email us at WestworldFM at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show and share your thoughts on HBO's Westworld so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. The Midwest Podcast Network has several other shows about video games, horror movies, and more. Check out all of our shows at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Our theme music is the song Industrial Cinematic by Kevin McLeod, and it is being used under an Attribution Creative Commons license. That's it for this week. We're excited for the next episode of Westworld, and we'll have another episode of our podcast out after that. But until then, may you rest and have a deep and dreamless slumber. <laughs>